This is not a topic that I feel comfortable talking about, but I feel now is the time and it needs to be talked about. Some of you may or may not have heard that the FTC has contacted virtually every active network marketing company in the United States just a few days ago on October 26th uh, and sent them notifications slash warnings. These went out mainly around the issue of income claims. And honestly, there is nothing new here except for the fact that they basically have put every active, productive uh, network marketing company on notice. Uh, I personally find this disturbing because every time, you know, you go on YouTube, it seems like you're confronted with these cash gifting programs and other blatant scams that are showing, uh, you know, stacks of money orders, uh, putting them in your face and, you know, lined up and displayed all this, these different money orders and checks that they've received, uh, which, it's kind of a, it's kind of to me, it's like an in your face FTC clear violation of the policy. And it just seems that companies, the FTC, FTC would go after these type of companies and these people and these programs, you know, before they put the entire legit network marketing profession on notice. Uh, but I didn't see one of these companies on their list. Uh, I understand their policy and agree with its agree with it. You know, in principle, I really do. But I've always equated it to offering a job to somebody, but not being allowed to discuss the salary that they would be receiving. Uh, the anti MLM movement is alive and well, and many former distributors don't understand the difference between illegal pyramid schemes and the network marketing business model. They just don't understand the difference. Uh, they don't understand that all traditional organizational structures are basically structured the same way. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about a Fortune 500 company or the Catholic Church. Uh, they're kind of structured like a pyramid. I mean, that's the, the, uh, the structure of traditional organizations. Uh, the difference is what were the chances that the average person like myself working for a Fortune 500 company, you know, when I was at IBM in Lexington, Kentucky, starting on, you know, the assembly line, what was the chance that I was going to start there? And then work my way up to become a CEO and create CEO type income. It wasn't going to happen in the traditional corporate structure. Uh, when I was at IBM, however, you know, because of network marketing, you know, I was able to create CEO type income over $10 million my last five years, uh, before retiring at age 39. Uh, that's not going to happen for most people in most structures uh, in corporate America or anywhere else. Network marketing is opportunity in its purest form. And quite frankly, some people's internal makeup has been such that they expect that the corporate structure or government or the Catholic Church should provide for them. 
personal responsibility is not even a thought for many of these people, these this anti-MLM crowd. And unfortunately, they love being vocal about how the profession or an individual has victimized them and why the government should step in and, and handle it and, you know, spank them or whatever. But then again, guys, on the flip side, I've seen many good people who've been around this profession for a long time become predatory. The truth is, the truth is, you work for your team. They don't work for you. You work for your team. They don't work for you at any time, any time. If you are encouraging people or pressuring them to do more volume than their auto-ship requirements, uh, to buy more products or load up on products one particular month so you can reach a rank or qualify for your car bonus or any other contest or award, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Uh, my name is Dale Calvert. I'm glad you're here. And that's some of what we're going to need to discuss in this session of the MLM Success Podcast, Session 261, Predatory MLM. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, We had an unbelievably busy week, and this weekend was just unbelievable as well. Uh, The 27th was actually our uh, 12th wedding anniversary. Uh, Twelve years ago, Don and I got married on a cruise ship. I'll tell you the whole story one day, but basically we were on the cruise and they were having a, uh, uh, Texas Hold'em tournament. And I told her, I said, if, if I win, the, if I win the tournament, then we'll, we'll get married. So I ended up winning the, the tournament and we ended up getting married on a cruise ship, uh, 12 years ago. To say it was the best thing that ever happened to me would be a major understatement. Uh, it's just been phenomenal 12 years. And then the 29th was actually Dawn's birthday. So Tori, her son, spent the weekend with us. We had, we went out to a real popular, uh, Cajun restaurant here on Friday. Uh, had a great time with him. He spent the weekend and her husband or her, her daughter Taylor and her boyfriend. Uh, we had lunch with them yesterday. And, of course, in between that, we've been rooting on the Atlanta Braves, who are in the World Series with the Houston Astros this uh, this weekend. So rooting the Braves on in the game, in the games all weekend. Uh, University of Kentucky played their first exhibition basketball game uh, Friday night, where they won by 25. They're going to be phenomenal this year. Final four for sure. Uh, great, great 
great team. So that was exciting. And the University of Kentucky football team played. Georgia played football this weekend. So we've had a jam-packed weekend. I really wish I'd had time to do a little bit more research and uh, spend a little bit more time in prep for this particular session. Uh, but I really felt like it was timely and it needed to get out right now. There's a few key points that I'm going to try to cover that I hope you really get from your head to your heart in this session. Uh, I think the main, one of the main points that I want to really cover is that all business niches, no matter what they are, you know, and, uh, again, whether we're talking about direct mail marketing that I've participated and been involved in heavily in the past or real estate investing, uh, flipping homes, uh, no matter what it is, uh, the, the, the business model, the flow, the, the immersion of a new business model is very predictable. Now, it usually starts out with people that become very self-educated. They make a lot of mistakes. They're very value-focused, and they're really working on their systems systems for implementing their business. That has never happened in network marketing. Okay, we'll discuss why later. Uh, but in network marketing, it's all been built upon people's credibility and personality and work ethic and transferable skills. Okay, there's a lot of uh, people that don't have much personality that become very wealthy uh, in many other business niches, including like real estate in this example. So most emerging business models start with self Educated people that are very self-educated, focused on becoming self-educated, learning the ins and outs. Uh, they're pioneers, very value-focused most of the time, want to provide value to everybody involved. They, they want it to be a win-win-win for everybody. And unfortunately, once a business model has been established, then it will attract many times the scammers and the get-rich-quickers. And you, and you can watch this pattern over and over and over, uh, you know, in, to a lesser degree, but you, we can think about it in network marketing when you, you know, 25 years ago or whenever when you had Ann, Ann Sieg and all the boys telling everybody, you know, throw away your warm market list, blah, 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 and started just absolutely disrupting the whole industry with a lot of false, unproven, systems and ideas and concepts that they could easily sell and extract a lot of money from ignorant newbies who just didn't know any better. And and that's the truth of the matter. Uh, so as we talked about in great detail, and I'm sure most of you listen to this podcast every week have seen this webinar called The Four Stages of a Movement. And if you haven't, it's just critical that you understand this if you're going to be involved in any business today, and that's at mlmsuccess.com forward slash critical. But what happens is, you know, after the pioneers, the self-educated pioneers establish the business model as being uh, fruitful and profitable, then 
over time, the scammers will start coming in and they have a very speculative mindset. How can we make things quicker, faster, easier? And then, you know, every niche, you can throw a few Har- Charlie Harpers into the, into the mix. They, these are just people that lucked up because they were in the right place at the right time. Uh, I call them Charlie Harpers, but I don't know how many of you have seen the TV show. Two and a Half Men, I guess it was on years ago. Uh, I've seen some of the reruns, but Charlie Harper's just uh, uh, a despicable human being that ended up being in the right place at the right time and has created a fortune writing uh, commercial jingles. And, uh, you know, just, just a clucks, a clucks. Just a uh, real despicable human being that was in the right place at the right time and was able to write a few jingles after he uh, dropped out of Juilliard or whatever that uh, college for the arts is. And that's the storyline behind that show. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and there are Charlie Harpers in every niche. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but anyway, so these two groups end up. And they lead to, for lack of a better term, syndicates. And and they usually divide off into the victim's crowd. Uh, these are people that cannot take responsibility for their own failure, for the fact that instead of getting with uh, one of the value-focused, self-educated pioneers who actually taught other people how to do that, which they want to do, they fell into the get-rich-scammers crowd. Uh, they chose the wrong entrepreneur the wrong mentor they never looked behind the curtain therefore they they did they did get ripped off and they became a victim in the niche and then the 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 original founders of the niche usually move into what i call a uh they usually move into what i call a good old boys uh club good old boys and girls club and we actually, we definitely have that in the network marketing profession. Uh, but that's kind of the main point, you know. And if scammers create enough momentum, then heads start to row. And because the average person, the average person, for whatever reason, does not have the ability to distinguish between legit, uh, in our example here, real estate investing training companies, or whatever the niche, you can put any niche that you want, but they don't have the difference to distinguish between legit training companies and blatant scammers. And I don't know why. Usually scammers make my skin crawl. Not all the time. I've been fooled. A lot of us, all of us have been fooled if we've been around long enough. But this happens in every business niche. It really does. This is the the process. The self-educated pioneers systemize what they're doing for their own personal use and then sometimes end up teaching it to other people. But they're pretty value-focused individuals that want it to be a win-win-win for everybody involved. And then after the, the, the niche has been established, then you start seeing the scammers come in who are have a very speculative mindset. And, and it just happens over and over and over. And again, it doesn't happen that much in network marketing for a lot of reasons that we're going to be talking about, but mainly because 
you know, up until the last 10 years or so, being a victim and being pitied was not something that most people aspired to. I'm going to say that again. Until the last 10, 15 years ago, being a victim or being pitied was not something that most people really aspired to. Okay. Today, the internet has created a world where victims and those who like to be pitied can come together and, and, and support each other for lack of a better term. Okay. The internet has created an environment where all these different subcultures can find each other and, and, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, it doesn't matter. Pick the niche in and out of business. Doesn't matter. Subcultures can come together and find each other. And so, and again, I don't even like to use that word, but support each other. Or, you know, my, you, you know, you think you were screwed over by John Doe. Let me tell you what they did to me. And my, my, you know, I should be pitied and take more than you have, than you, than you are. I'm a bigger victim. Who can be the biggest victim? You know, I mean, you think about, uh, some of the 2020s or something that you may have seen where people were, uh, got on these early dating sites and, you know, they, they found some, some guy and the guy ended up, you know, uh, charging up all their credit cards, ruining their credit, stealing from them, you know, and they lost 30, 40, 50, 80, 100, 200,000 dollars or whatever. Usually when those shows would appear, the person that was telling their story is usually blacked out where you can't see or recognize their face. And their voice many times is distorted. Why? Because they don't want to be seen. Most people don't want to be seen as a victim or be pitied, but they want to get the story in the marketplace. Well, unfortunately, a lot of that has really changed. I mean, today we're in a culture where everybody's trying to find their 15 minutes of fame. And it's prevalent everywhere and especially within the network marketing profession i mean people like to go on youtube and show their face and talk about how xyz company you know just messed over them or whatever and a a lot of people just simply aren't smart enough to understand hey it's your problem it's your fault you made a bad decision it's okay we all make bad decisions learn from it and move on. But we, we're in a culture where if first I don't succeed, fix the blame quick. So th- that plays into all this. There's several things that play into all this. And, and when you really look at it from different angles, it all starts to come together. So back to the topic at hand, uh, this was the notice that the FTC sent out this week, according to an article from Kevin Thompson. MLM attorney Kevin Thompson on their website. And I'm just going to, I'm going to share with you the, the, the first part of this. I'll include a link where you can read the whole thing if you would like. And then just kind of give you a perspective. And we're going to look at this from a lot of different angles, but I think it's real important that you just kind of understand what's going on, uh, in the world today, not just 
towards network marketing, but, but, but towards entrepreneurism, becoming an entrepreneur in general. Uh, you know, you have a lot of, uh, formally educated people that just cannot handle the fact that there's people that are actual, that after, you know, seven years of formal education at an Ivy League school, you've got these people that, you know, barely made it out of the seventh grade and are making millions of dollars in real estate or network marketing or whatever other business model you want to talk about. It just scrambles their brains and they cannot handle it. And that's part of it as well. Uh, and, Unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of these people make very good cases, but they miss chunks that really do make the difference. Chunks of information that they simply don't understand or ignore. But anyway, back to the article. Again, this is from Kevin Thompson's website. The article says roughly 1,100 entities received a notice of penalty a penalty offense from the Federal Trade Commission on October 26, 2021. It's important to know that being a recipient does not mean you have previously or currently violating the law. That's important, okay? It doesn't mean anything other than they're basically putting every legit network marketing company on notice. Uh, does not mean that you've currently violated the law. Candidly, it's not all bad being on the list. The companies that did not make the cut are likely already out of business. The FTC is leaving very few stones left unturned. The full list of companies is here, and they give a link to the list. Candidly, if you're not on the list, you've got other problems. So it's no big deal that the fact that, I mean, if you're in a legit company, it's on the list. I mean, even Amazon was on the list because they operate a affiliate program. So every anybody and everybody was on the list. The notice makes it abundantly clear as to what the FTC's focus is, unsubstantiated income possibilities and misleading testimonies. This article is meant to provide a bit of content as to what is happening and to also provide some guidance for our readers going forward whether they have received a notice this time around or not. What does it mean now that you've received a notice? The FTC is reviving an old statute of the Federal Trade Commission Act and he gives the sections and all that of the United States Code. This penalty offense authority allows the FTC to put businesses on notice of certain acts or practices that the FTC has previously found to be unlawful in administrative proceedings. In summary, the FTC has put you and the entire sector the entire network marketing profession, all notice that all unsubstantial income claims or false misleading claims will no longer be tolerated. And then they say, newsflash, these sorts of claims have never allowed, have never been allowed in the first place. The FTC is trying a different approach to work their way into the courtroom. Some of you know, earlier this year, there was a law passed that 
you know, they can't just come in and shut down a company without first proving them guilty in a court of law. Uh, because that has happened to, to many different network marketing companies, as we all know. They just come in, shut it down. That can no longer happen. So they're trying to set this up again, trying a different approach to work their way into the courtroom. The article continues. Once the FTC has put businesses on notice of individual of violative behavior, it opens up the door for the FTC to sue those businesses in the future if their warnings are not followed because recipients are considered to have actual knowledge the certain acts or practices that, uh, that certain practices or acts are unlawful. Litigation can result in serious penalties. And then it gives the notice of the penalties. And again, I'll put the entire article in the link below this podcast. So it, what's going on? A lot of people have shown concern. In my opinion, you know, the bottom line is I've said on this podcast many times, the network marketing profession, which at one time was a light of hope for so many, and it still is. It still is a light of hope. No matter how dim the light is with 90% of the companies out there who are simply marketing the wrong product services, uh, wrong time in history. But if you get with the right company, right product, right service, right team at the right time in history, it is still a major light of hope for people uh, around the world uh, if all the stars line up. But, you know, what's going on, in my opinion, is just simply a reflection of the crazy world in which we live. You know, I don't know how many of you, you know, read the article uh, that appeared in the Wall Street Journal this week about using the money we pay in taxes the you and I work hard at paying taxes to pay uh, re- reparations to illegal aliens that entered the United States. We're going to pay them reparations. They entered. They entered the country illegally, but therefore, but because they did, uh, but they're entitled to our tax money. I mean, crazy stuff going on. And, and this is just an extension of that. Very dependent upon the government mentality. You got to depend upon us. You're too stupid to do anything on your own. Uh, anti-free enterprise, uh, anti-entrepreneur is running rap, rampant and, and every policy and everything that, that seems to be happening supports this i mean when i heard this read this article about the 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 reparations to illegal aliens uh giving them up to 400 and some thousand dollars per person i'm going to find it and you if because some of you may not have seen this and you got to be aware of this kind of stuff that's going on so let me find that and i'll play uh i'll find a video that will give you uh, an over a quick overview of it because this is the kind of stuff that's going on, and again, we don't need to focus on it, but we need to be aware of it. Okay, here's the video, the audio from the video. Fun. 
pretty unbelievable. Just about every morning as we're putting this show together, some story from the Biden White House crosses our screens and we think to ourselves, come on, there's absolutely no way that can be real. Please, it's just too crazy. And of course, pretty much every morning, what we had assumed was a joke turns out to be entirely real. It's actually happening. The Biden administration really is that crazy. They really are firing thousands of nurses in the middle of a pandemic, firing thousands of cops in the middle of a crime wave. No, they're not kidding, even in the slightest, when they tell you that's a genuine female four-star admiral standing right there. Joe Biden isn't giggling. He tells you Rachel Levine's promotion is a victory for women everywhere, and he means it when he says it. He means all of these things, even the ones he doesn't understand, which is most. As the guy who runs the Babylon Bee told us recently, it is getting tough to run a parody site in this country. No matter how creative your jokes may be, it is almost impossible to be more ludicrous than reality already is. And yet, even by those impossibly high standards, we can confidently announce tonight that we have just read the single most deranged news story ever printed in this country. So no matter what happens going forward, and God knows what that'll be, this story will live forever as the high watermark of political lunacy. Mark your calendars. It's October 28th, 2021. This is the day that things couldn't possibly get nuttier. And here it is. According to a piece in this afternoon's Wall Street Journal, the Biden administration has decided to pay reparations to illegal aliens. In other words, foreigners who came here without invitation, who came in willful violation of legal statutes passed by our Congress per our Constitution, those people are about to get a groveling apology and huge amounts of cash. Why? Because our government dared to enforce its own laws, which now apparently is immoral. So the Biden White House is going to pay criminals for committing crimes. It's almost impossible to believe that's real, but it is real. According to the journal, the administration plans to, quote, offer immigrant families that were separated during the Trump administration around $450,000 a person in compensation. The U.S. Departments of Justice, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to close to $1 million per family. A million dollars per family for illegal aliens at exactly the moment that American families are becoming noticeably poorer by the day. So, again, guys, I mean, there's just bigger fish to fry. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how to even begin to respond to something like that. It's in the Wall Street Journal. You can you can read the article yourself. But it's just what it is, okay? It, it is what it is. But to not, you know, I felt that to make sure that you understand you know, some of the crazy stuff that's really happening. So when the FTC decides to put a network marketing company or all the network marketing companies in the USA on notice, it just kind of is what it is. As hard as it is to believe that there are, but there are people out there that are determined to destroy the free enterprise system in the United States and around the world. The ultimate goal just seems to be to make sure uh, we are all dependent upon the government to survive. And with that said, who knows how this situation with the FTC or any other radical policies we're seeing will all end up playing out. We don't know. All we can do is the best we can do every day. 
to support all entrepreneurs and the free enterprise system and do our part to move our lives and our businesses forward. But we need to support all entrepreneurs that are trying to do it right in every field. Uh, all we can do each day is the best we can. And radical, seemingly out of control world in which we live, it's going to play out the way it's going to play out. So for the remainder of this session, let's not focus on solving the challenges around the world and, 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 and just kind of look behind the curtain to see what the FTC putting the network marketing companies on notice really means. Uh, which obviously none, nobody can really predict, but we can share ideas and opinions. My hope is that they will decide, you know, to crack down on companies that need to be cracked down on and leave the rest alone. Uh, with so many blatant scams and money games and Ponzi schemes in the market, you would think that their focus would be on, uh, you know, getting those people taken care of and those companies shut down and leave the legitimate marketing companies that are trying to do it right alone. And as much as I hate to believe this with the problems that have been caused for companies like Advocare and Dema and Nerium and others in recent years, I mean, anything is possible. It seems that the focus is on those companies with deep pockets and force them to settle paying uh, outrageous fees of some kind. And, you know, the old joke, you know, years ago, it's like every election year, the attorney general in every state's going to decide to come after some network marketing company so they can be on TV every night. And I, I hate to even think that way, but I've watched that play out so many times over the years with various companies. Many deserve to become after, but a lot of them didn't. And, you know, I've talked about Fortune High Tech and Paul Orberson and how all that really went down. Uh, you know, and it just, it, it's disgusting, honestly. Honestly, it's disgusting. Uh, but if we just sit back and let's look at the culture in which we live, I think it explains a lot about why the anti-MLM movement and the anti-entrepreneurial movement is real. And unfortunately, it's gaining steam. In short, uh, our generation, my generation, spoiled our kids rotten. So I'm going to talk about millennials and some things for for a few minutes just so to give a, a, a piece of the perspective, of the, the overall perspective of why things kind of play out the, the way they are from my, my opinion. And again, this is a piece of the whole thing. It's not all of it. We have to understand there's, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, the FTC had the control taken away. They can no longer come in and shut down companies, and now they're trying to get their control back. Okay? From, that's what the letters were all about. But in short, you know, our generation has spoiled our kids rotten. Really? Uh, the, the, the sense of entitlement that millennials have is just mind-boggling to me. 
but thankfully, because of what I learned about work ethic and discipline and mindset and patterns early in my network marketing career and because my girls were involved uh, in a thriving youth group at our church, I believe for the most part, part, my daughters have gotten through their childhood and teenage years without a sense of entitlement, uh, without uh, understanding you get that which you, you keep that which you, you keep that which you give away, uh, whether it's compassion, love, respect, so on and so forth. Uh, they've gotten through their teenage years without that sense of entitlement even though, you know, they had a limo driver that took them to school and they grew up in a 17,000 square foot home and they stayed in the finest hotels and, and flew on private planes and, and traveled all over the world when they were younger. Uh, but, but we did our best, uh, to let them know, Hey, we started at 407 Avondale Avenue, Georgetown, Kentucky, in a 600-square-foot home. And the reason they were able to live a comfortable life was because of personal education, work ethic, and providing value to the market that you serve. Uh, A lot of of other wisdom-of-the-ages principles as well were programmed into their minds from the time they were born. I mean, I remember one year we were getting ready to go to Cancun uh, on vacation, and we were never extravagant, and we were going to spend 10 days in Cancun, and every year we would give them, you know, so they're not asking for money to buy this and money to buy that. We would give them, you know, 25 or $50 that they could spend how they wanted on their T-shirt or their necklace or whatever they wanted to buy, well, that when they were on vacation, it was their money. They could use it however they wanted. And I remember my youngest uh, saying, Daddy, is there any way we could get a... He said, you know, because she had been to Cancun before, and she said, you know, there's a lot of really cool jewelry and uh, sapphires and all this in Cancun. Is there any way we could have more than $50 this year? And I said, and this was like on a Friday, and I was home that week. I said, yeah. I said, how much money do you have right now? She said, save for the trip. I said, yeah, and she said something like $19. I said, okay, Allie. And I said, tomorrow I'm going to show you how you can take that $19 and turn it into 50 or more dollars that you can have for your trip. Plus the, because we're not, we're going to give you $50, but I'll show you how to turn your 19 into 50. And we got up that morning and I took her yard selling and we bought a bunch of stuff and I showed her how to list it on YouTube or excuse me on eBay. And she turned her $19 into like $63 for her vacation. Now that was a lesson she'll remember and she never forgot. And she, she's used eBay at different times over the years when she's needed extra cash flow. So again, those are valuable lessons that we all have the opportunity to teach our kids. And 
it would have not happened for me if I, I don't think if it hadn't been for network marketing, uh, you know, if not for my involvement in network marketing before they were born, I don't know how my kids would have, who are all millennials would have turned out. And, you know, I'm so proud of them for the adults they become, the parents they become. But millennials determine popular culture. And I think it's very important for all of us to understand if we want to really get a handle on the anti-MLM, anti-entrepreneurial state we find ourselves in. On one hand, the entrepreneurial revolution is stronger than ever, but so is the opposition. What's being taught in many major universities is not, and even now in elementary schools, seems to have the undertow to separate people into two classes, the privileged and the victims. And we all know that's not true. We all know that we all determine our own future as individuals. It's not predetermined based upon where we grew up, the color of our skin, our religion, or the blessings or the curses of our ancestors. You and I determine our own future by the thoughts we allow to enter our minds, the decisions that we freely make, and the actions that we take. And we're all going to make bad decisions at different times in our life. You know, it's just going to happen. It's part of life. But you have to live, learn, and move forward from that. So we control our own future, not the government, not our boss, not a Fortune 500 company, not our parents, not our spouse. We all have the ability to learn wisdom of the age's success principles, internalize them, and then put them into action in the marketplace. That's what free enterprise is all about. I mean, as a Christian, I live every day with, with, with the thought, every day with the thought that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You know, Philippians 4.13. But there's millennials... Uh, there's two groups of millennials. The younger millennials are 25 to 32 years old, and the older ones are 33 to 40. That's considered millennials. Generation Z refers to the generation that was born between 1997 and 2012. This generation has been raised on the Internet, on social media. Uh, the oldest of this generation Z finished college in 2020. And we have to understand that a lot of these kids have watched thousands of YouTube videos of people their age and younger claiming to, you know, drive, you know, that have, you know, umpteen billion followers or whatever. And, you know, she's a uh, seven-year-old that plays the ukulele while she juggles. <laughs> or whatever and and it's just they're comparing themselves with the wrong and instead of looking at the person in the mirror and saying I'm going to maximize my talents my gifts my upside potential they're unrealistically comparing themselves with other people's talents uh, people tend to to compare their worst with somebody else's best it makes no sense Okay, that, that, that mindset should not be allowed in kids under any circumstance. And as parents, again, you got to be smart enough to 
help them understand some of these wisdom of the ages principles and that, that, you know, they don't compare themselves with some fluky kid that they see with unbelievable talent that they see on YouTube. That's their gift. Okay. It doesn't have to, you know, everybody's different. We all have different gifts and skills and abilities, you know, and as I've said, I'm sure on this podcast, one of my favorite quotes is life is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to him. And we've got to be able to find out what are we here for? What are our talents? What are our skills? What are we supposed to be doing with our life? How are we going to leave it better than when we came here? Are we going to be takers? Are we going to be givers? So a lot of kids, again, they've watched thousands of YouTube videos of people their age and younger claiming, you know, to drive and own exotic sports cars, which we all know most of the time have been rented. Rented for the day so they could shoot a bunch of video. You know, they're driving exotic sports cars, making millions of dollars you know, from drop shipping or with Shopify stores or affiliate marketing or trading in the Forex and options markets or, or doing cryptocurrency or whatever. They have a get-rich mentality, which most people understand simply is not true. It's just not true. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. However, when good people get involved with good business models, with the wrong syndicates, so to speak, or scammers, what happens is they quickly get burnt out, and unfortunately they get burnt out on all entrepreneurial endeavors. You know, I've been talking about this for many, many years. It's like, you know... People, good people come into this profession and been taught, you know, to go on YouTube and act like something you're not, you know, do a video every day and try to teach people how to do something you've never done or, you know, the list goes on and on and on of the false, uh, flawed concepts that have been propagated throughout this profession over the years, you know, that you must throw away your warm market list, for example, and are that you must, you know, if you want to be perceived to be a network marketing pro, then you must have a blog and you must write blog articles every week. And the list goes on and on and on and on of the stuff that's been propagated throughout this profession and good people get involved and they go down that rabbit hole thinking that that's going to that that they can avoid expanding their comfort zone and developing new skill sets and mindsets and, and how many affiliate offers do we have to read where somebody talks about how they love to play video games all day and they're the laziest bum that's ever walked the face of the earth but they found some magic formula that that, that instantly shoots out $25 PayPal statements over and over all day long while they're at the beach, you know, drinking something with an umbrella in it. You know, I mean, again, guys, this is rampant. It's been rampant for many, many years. So we have to understand that there's a whole culture of people who are now adults who've grown up watching this stuff. Yes, in every business niche, There are self-educated people, pioneers, that, that 
worked hard, made mistakes, learned from those mistakes, and refined their systems to create the success that they're enjoying today. Uh, of course, in every niche, you're always going to have your Charlie Harpers. Uh, and then once a niche has been proven, then it will attract the scammers. And a lot of these scammers are on YouTube selling, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, five thousand dollar courses to unsuspecting newbies, promising them the world, promising them the world. And they're making all their money selling courses, not on actually doing what they're trying to teach people to do. You know, and I look at this whole pattern and, and I go back and I think about the early real estate investor syndicates. And see, syndicates is a word that a lot of these anti-entrepreneurial gurus are starting to use. And, and I understand why. And I get it. And it's true. Okay, I've said on this podcast for several years and many articles, I've always avoided the good old boys network. The syndicates is what they're being called today. I've avoided it because I believe that the leadership cannot become part of a group and and a lot of other principles that I just believe in. And I've avoided it, you know, intentionally and on purpose. And there's many events that I could have spoke at over the years that I turned down because I just didn't want to be in that environment and that culture and be part of what I knew was going on there. Uh, so, uh, syndicate, the, the definition is a group of individuals or organizations combined to promote a common interest. In general, uh, there's nothing bad or illegal uh, about syndicates. I think they're a natural course of business. If I had it to do over again and know what I know now, there are certain organizations and groups that I would have gotten involved in early in my career that I chose not to. If I, But looking back now, it's easy for me to identify the right groups. And I knew that most of the groups were the wrong groups, so I avoided them all, which was not an intelligent decision on my part. You know, there's Genius Network and there's some other high-level organizations that I could have definitely benefited from early in my career that I didn't, and I could have. So... If we just stop and think about things from this perspective, I mean, I look at the early real estate seminars and course sellers. Uh, most of these guys I attended their events, have their programs. I have personally invested more in personal education than anybody that I've ever met in my life. Because for a lar- large portion of my life, I took 10% of my income and invested into personal education, books, courses, seminars, and so forth. 10% of my income. And I was, I was taking 10% of my income and investing it in personal education at a time when that 10% would have went a long way for, uh, 
<laughs> groceries or whatever. But it was just a habit that I got into and I was not going to break. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend that today because, again, I, I think back then uh, the, the personal development coaches were all pretty solid. You know, Earl Nightingale, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Zig, of course, Jim Rohn. Now, if you want to take 10% of your income and invest it into known wisdom of the ages, success principle teachers, and you want to buy every Jim Rohn audio that's ever been produced, I think that's a phenomenal idea. Or Zig, anybody that is a known is known to be in their track record over years was proven credible. Everybody else, I would look very strong behind the curtain and, uh, and go on eBay because you'll be able to pick up unbelievable content and courses at, at a fraction of what you may pay retail. So anyway, going back to the early real estate courses and teachers and trainers and seminars. And I look at Robert Allen, you know, No Money Down, his first New York Times bestseller. I remember when it came out, I bought it the week that it came out. Or look at Carlton Sheets or Dean Graziosi or Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Russ Whitney and his unbelievable story of, you know, working in a slaughterhouse and becoming a, uh, a real estate millionaire and many others that I would call, uh, that became self-educated. They educated themselves and over time became very well known and they did seminars individually and together and they were the real estate syndicate. Now, again, what happens is once a business model has been validated and proven, then the scammers naturally come right behind it. And some of you may remember uh, Tom Vu was the guy's name. Uh, I, I don't remember what nationality he was, but he's on a yacht with uh, all these girls in bikinis, and he's talking about how to get rich in real estate and how, I mean, he's just really in your face with his infomercial. And, you know, it was all hired, rented yacht, hired models to film this infomercial or the probably one of the most famous, I don't know if he ever got out of jail, was uh, William J. McCorkle. I don't know how many of you remember William J. McCorkle and his infomercials. He was in Orlando, uh, him and his wife. Last I can remember, you know, it's probably been, it's been a long time ago, but they both got arrested and were, you know, like 20 years in prison. I remember seeing William J. McCorkle in Cincinnati. I uh, drove up there to his infomercial uh, pitch fest, and I used to go to all of them back in the day because I just liked to see the how the whole thing came came together, what they did, how they did it. I mean, again, weird guy. I get it, but I love to go to these things and watch the whole thing play out and how it played out. And so again, William J. McCorkle, Tom Boo, and there was many, many, many more that came after them. Uh, 
scammers that were riding the coattails of the original pioneers, the people that became self-educated, that did the work. Okay, so you see this again in every profession. I think about early direct mail marketers and the syndicates that were created and people like, you know, the great Dan Kennedy, a phenomenal direct marketer. Gary Halbert is probably the granddaddy. He's the legend. I remember probably 15 years ago, uh, I was invited to speak at an event in the Florida Keys and they had me coming on after lunch. And I was the, the guy that was doing the seminar had actually heard me speak. I think it, uh, I don't know. I don't know where the, he had heard me speak on how to create a $5,000 plus income with eBay and online auctions. And this was an internet marketing related. This was early guys, 15, 20 years ago. But, uh, so that would have been, I don't know, but in the probably early 2000s. And he'd heard me speak at his, another seminar, invited me to come and speak in Key West. And I thought, oh, that'll be, that'll be phenomenal. Yeah, I'd love to come. And Ryan Dice, and I'm trying to think there were some big, big names were speaking at this event. And, uh, I was fired up about it. And I remember, uh, I was speaking on the first day on Friday, which I like to speak and get it out of the way. And then I can enjoy the rest of the seminar and enjoy the keys. I went down for a week. I was planning on staying a week afterwards, but, uh, he, he came to, up to me that morning. He said, Dale, he said, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. He said, but there's, it's a possibility that Gary Halpert will be here at one o'clock. And he said, I've got you scheduled at one. And if Gary comes up and if he makes it, then we'll just put you on immediately after Gary Albert. And I said, Oh, oh, great. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that <laughs> because Gary Halbert was living in the keys at the time and somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who found his number and they in, ended up talking him into coming and sharing to this group. I mean, this guy's like, Legend, legend, legendary Gary Halbert. He's passed now. But anyway, Gary Halbert shows up and, and talks for about an hour and a half. And it's like, Oh, great. Now I get to follow the legend of all legends in direct marketing, direct mail, Gary Halbert. Uh, but again, going back, Gary Halbert, Dan Kennedy, Carl Galetti, uh, E. Joseph Kosman, one of the early, early pioneers of direct mail marketing, uh, Russ Van Holker, T.J. Rowletter, Ted Sayuba, of course, uh, Frank Kern, uh, my good friend Michael Penland. I, I've met most everybody I've just mentioned here, probably at Michael Penland events over the years where I spoke. So there was an early direct marketers uh who understood, you know, buying targeted lists and mailing, mail, doing direct mail marketing to those lists. And, of course, direct mail uh, was, you know, got was has been around since the 30s, but it got real popular uh, in the late 70s, 80s, 
And then it was, of course, followed by all the chain letter scammers and any other type of scam people could figure out how to do via direct mail. But uh, many of the direct mailers saw the writing on the wall, and they knew that the Internet would eventually overcome and overtake direct mail, which it virtually has. I mean, there's still a market for direct mail and some of the coupon mailers and things. And, and there's, I mean, you can still get leads from direct mail, but it's not as cost effective as it once was. And especially when you compare it to other lead generation, you know, systems. Uh, but uh, then I think about early internet marketers, uh, people like Marlon Sanders, Declan Dunn, and Corey Rudel immediately come to mind. Uh, Corey Rudel and I became pretty good friends before he died tragically in a car accident. Uh, I think he was 33 years old, and it wasn't even on the highway. It was one of those race courses where he was just being a driver, and a guy slammed into a wall and uh, killed Corey. But, you know, one of the early, early Internet marketers, uh, Michael Penland as well, Ryan Dice, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, I attended the very first ever Internet marketing e-commerce event held in the United States. It was in Los Angeles. Uh, this was probably in 1999, around that time, hosted by, you know, the legendary marketer Jay Abraham who was bringing together all the top internet marketers, people that were actually the beginning people, the pioneers that were using the internet to create cash flow and create income. And he brought them all together for a three-day event in California. And I remember I paid like $15,000 for myself and my wife to attend this event for the ticket just to be there. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable event. It was the first in history. So again, uh, there was a lot of early pioneers, value focused people that were doing it right and understood you've got to provide value to the end customer that understands that your long term income is in direct proportion to the value you provide to the market that you serve. And then, of course, internet marketing was followed by thousands of scammers with over-promise and undelivered products and services, and there's just too many to even name, and they're still out there today. You know, the Internet is full of, 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 uh, your email box is full of different scams daily. Uh, So I think the big shift, the real big shift as it relates to Business today, I mean, in the early days, there was network marketing, you know, been around since, you know, the heyday, you know, got really going in the 60s and 70s. There was direct mail marketing. There was direct advertising, you know, in like publications, uh, magazines, uh, of course, real estate investing and buying and selling real estate and even the stock market at some degree, but not as much. Uh, but those were the primary business models, you know, up until, you know, the last 15, 20, 25 years. And the big shift has really been with the millennials. Uh, more and more businesses have popped up and 
the the millennials have been the ones that have gotten out there for the most part, not always, but a lot of the millennials have went out there, value-focused people, uh, trial and error, learned, uh, created their systems, and then many times created courses around those systems. And, you know, I think about probably one of the earliest business models was, of course, eBay. I'm trying to remember the guy. You all would know him. I mean, he's retired. He retired early. Uh, he was at that event. He was one of the speakers, now that I think about it, in, uh, in Key West. Maybe it was this, the next year. But he, but that's where I met him. I can't think of his name now. He, he, at that time, uh, he was just all about creating traffic on the internet. What is his name? And then he came out with a video that he sold on, on, on eBay on how to create cash flow with eBay and sold hundreds of thousands of those videos. Uh, so eBay was, was early, but eBay, uh, I think was too simple. For a lot of the creative entrepreneur minded people to really catch on and get excited about. And, and I mean that, uh, it was just too simple, uh, to make money. And it's like, you didn't have to be creative with your email marketing. You didn't have to split test, uh, all your ads and so on and so forth. And it was almost too simple for a lot of the early direct mail marketers, direct advertising and magazine marketers, and even email marketers to really catch on or implement because it was a lot of work. You know, it wasn't just sitting there behind your computer writing things. It was actually getting out there and and finding products that you could flip and sell and sourcing different products. But uh, when we look at the millennials, it was like, Shopify for sure. And for me, uh, Ezra Firestone is, is the shop go, my go to Shopify expert. Anything that I need to know about Shopify, Ezra is the guy. He's not a millennial, but he, he was early, early into Shopify and has done some remarkable things and built some remarkable businesses on that platform. When it comes to drop shipping using Shopify, uh, the kid in California, I respect a lot. Value focused, uh, whiz kid. I can't think of his name. Behezra, something like that. Uh, uh, but that's the guy on, those are the two guys on, as regarding Shopify. And then it was followed by multiple scammers selling their Shopify courses for $997, promising people the sun, the star, and the moon, you know, driving around in their rented uh, Ferraris and, their, you know, their Airbnb mansions, talking about how I'm going to show you how to get rich and coming up with just some off-the-wall story about how they were destitute and didn't know where their next meal was coming from. And now they're a Shopify millionaire in, you know, 33 days or whatever. And I think about, Kevin David, and there's a lot of others that are just worthless human beings that have absolutely, uh, are, are just absolutely on purpose 
on purpose taking advantage of people. It, it, it's it's unbelievable to me. I mean, but again, the first time I saw this Kevin David dude, I mean, my skin's crawling. Who would listen to this person? But I feel that way about a lot of people and, and that most people don't miss. But the guy was just predatory, and it was more than obvious to me that he was. And then you have people that put down poor Ty Lopez, uh, you know, here I am in my garage. There's nobody that hasn't seen that. And I think Ty, I mean, and again, I don't know. I haven't been around him enough, been around him in a couple of different events, but I think the guy's just a genius. I really do. I think he, his mind, uh, and I think he, he's, he's a nerdy genius. And I think he wants to help people. I think he is very money motivated without question, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he's predatory. I don't believe he is. Uh, I think he's money motivated, but there's a difference. So, uh, again, have I ever bought any of his materials? No, I haven't. But I, but do I respect the guy? I don't have a high level of respect, but I don't have a high level of disrespect either. I don't throw him into the scammer group just because, uh, his, here I am in my garage video was the pre-roll for six months on every time I wanted to see anything on YouTube. You, you see the difference what I'm trying to say. You can't, you can't just say, well, they're just, they're predatory because of this or that. And they're out just to absolutely scam people because of this or that, because they're involved in, and I don't even know what Ty was doing, you know, uh, I guess e-commerce. Uh, but regardless, I mean, I could go on and on and on, and and I think it's just really, really important that we understand the world in which we live. You know, and again, I could give examples of eBay marketers that are very sincere out there doing it, making it happen, and sharing their information with people, and are very valuable, have very valuable insights and information and training. And I can tell you people that, that don't have a clue that are there just to sell the courses and to act like something they're not. And this goes for eBay or Amazon FBA. The amazing selling system is the best, one of the best courses I've ever gone through. Yes, I paid $3,500, $4,000, whatever it was for that course, but it was phenomenal. The amazing selling system. Uh, through, and it, and it was good. And I know people that, that secured products. They put it out there. It didn't work. And now they want to blame the amazing selling system. It's not that, it's not their fault. It's just they didn't have the right product. Again, I could go on and on and on about this, but there's a lot of people that have jumped on the FBA bandwagon who've never done it. They've never created any type of income, but want to, you know, tell somebody else how to do it. And, and a lot of people have got burnt by these people. And, and again, we could talk about every single business niche. It doesn't matter what it is, but I think network marketing at some level has been the exception. And again, I'm going to explain more why in just a moment, but understanding that self-educated value focused people are the early pioneers. They end up eventually probably coming together in what's commonly called syndicates now. And then that's, they're usually followed by the scammers. And yes, there's a few lucky Charlie Harpers thrown in the mix. 
you know, just people that just got lucky because uh, they could write a jingle and play the piano or whatever. So when you look at the network marketing, it, it's had its early pioneers. Les Brown, you know, started in network marketing with Amway. Not a lot of people know that. But Jim Rohn, you know, and Earl Jim Rohn, nobody would have ever discussed, know who Jim Rohn was uh, if Earl Schof hadn't walked into Sears and met Jim Rohn and invited him to an event when he was 25 years old. I mean, think about that. What if Earl Schof had not decided to go to Sears that day? Man. I think about Rita Davenport, which I love. Very talented public speaker, started with network marketing. Of course, Mary Kay, Larry Thompson, uh, and many, many of the early Amway Diamonds, you know, all had personal development paradigm shifts in their life. If you listen to any of their stories, you know, Jim Rohn and Les Brown, and, you know, Rita Davenport to some extent all ended their careers. I think Rita might still be involved with a company, but, but they all ended, they all shifted to the personal development, got out of network marketing to personal development at some point where personal development was their primary focus. But all these people talk about the major paradigm shift, understanding personal development principles made in their life. Every one of the pioneers of network marketing talk about personal development. Network marketing really came out of the personal development movement. That's when it really started moving into a momentum stage. And, you know, so they had this personal development paradigm shift. Quite frankly, I don't think very many of them had what I call the leadership development paradigm shift. And I am so thankful because I'm one of the few that had not just the personal development paradigm shift. I had the personal development paradigm shift before I ever got involved in network marketing. That happened to me at IBM uh, before I ever got involved in any kind of side gig or business. When I heard Zig Ziglar say, you're where you are in your life because what's gone into your mind and the only way to change where you are is to change what goes into your mind. That statement immediately on the spot resonated with me in a way that I can't even describe. Many of you have heard the story about the tapes and the IBM basement, so I'm not going to repeat all that, but it changed my life. But the leadership development paradigm shift changed my network marketing career. And I think I'm one of the few people that really see this through the through the glasses that I do because when I started in network marketing I had the distinct advantage of working on an assembly line at IBM in Lexington, Kentucky and being able to listen to audios from different leaders and different companies all over share their experience and their stories and their people but about their people and how they found their people and it gave me a different perspective on the network marketing business model, I feel like. Uh, and I had uh, three years in after listening to audios for eight hours every single day, what I call the leadership development paradigm shift. And some of you have heard me talk about that. 
getting at IBM, you know, I had to be there at six o'clock on a Saturday morning and like my subconscious mind opened up and I started grabbing repair cards. And it was at that time and place and moment when I realized, Dale, it's not about you. You have to be able to help other people move forward. And conceptually, all everybody understands that about network marketing, but very few people understand the systems that must be in place in order to help other people get what they want. We all can quote, you can have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Everybody in network marketing can quote that if they've been around 90 days or more. But but what does that really mean? What systems need to be in place? And again, I've talked about that so much on this podcast, I'm not going to rehash all that at this time. But I think the biggest reason that this profession sees so many flawed philosophies and junky, junky affiliate programs that have been propagated throughout the network marketing industry over the past 20 years is because... Uh, Many people don't really understand that the real product in network marketing is people. If you build people, people will build the business. That network marketing is a personal development program with a leadership, you know, leadership development aspect that's very important, but it's a personal development program with a compensation plan attached. Personal development, personal responsibility is a big part of success in every business, but especially in network marketing. And I think we all gut level understand that and know that. Yet I've heard so many big name guru after big name guru that you would all know their name publicly brag about the fact that they were never much of a reader or they didn't even know who Jim Rohn was or they never bought a cassette tape when they were building. Well, maybe that's why you failed in 11 companies, buddy. I mean, really. It's just, it just blows my mind sometimes. It just really does. Uh, you know, and then you, on the other hand, you've got these people that decided somehow they, they were going to be the next Jim Rohn. And, even though they had never built a solid team, built it themselves, their entire career, they were always climbing the back pocket of somebody else and then, you know, decided to figure out how they could create a name for themselves without never really building anything significant. And, and again, the list goes on and on and I, I don't, I can't even go down that road and I'm not going to, but there's people that have belief that, you know, it, in general, in the world, if first I don't succeed, fix the blame quick. And, you know, if you invested a thousand or two thousand dollars into a junkie affiliate program, I mean, really, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? I mean, did you look behind the curtain? Yeah, I want to learn how to do Shopify. Okay, so you found some 19 year old female that was. Our male, it doesn't matter. I'm not picking on either one, but someone with no proven track record except what comes out of their mouth uh, while they're standing in their rented mansion, their Airbnb mansion for the day, and you never look behind the curtain. You never ask, can you share with me a couple of people that you've worked with that you've helped? You've never, you didn't do your due diligence. You, 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 you got hooked into how they sounded, where they lived, how they looked, whatever. And you got involved with a cult-like scammer. 
and you failed. So therefore, it's Shopify dropshipping's fault, or it's affiliate marketing's fault, or it's cryptocurrency investing's fault, or real estate investing, or network marketing. I mean, really. But that's the world in which we live. If first I don't succeed, fix the blame quick. It's not... It's your fault that you don't look behind the curtain. Look, guys, I've made stupid business decisions as well. We all do. But you have to live, learn, and move forward. Live, learn, and move forward. And yes, there are predatory MLM gurus in the market. The number of big-name gurus that have charged people 5000 to for a special ticket at their Las Vegas event where they got to go to a big dinner with special people and got to take a picture with the speakers is appalling. And and 5000 is cheap. I mean, I know, and you've probably met, I've met a bunch of people that threw 10000 40000 and more down the drain, $40,000 for private training from an MLM guru that really has never built anything significant their entire career. And all they did was just pump them up every day and give them a couple of ideas and phrases they could use in their business, according to the people that I've talked to. You know, so if there's unethical gurus out there overpricing people, you know, charging people $15,000 to build a funnel or $9,000 for a 90-day coaching program, or whatever, that's not on the profession. That's on us as people for allowing that kind of crap to go on. I said it 25 years ago, and I still believe it today. If you're with the right team and the right culture who have the right systems in place, you should never need coaching from any network marketing guru. If you're with the right team, the right company, the the and you have the right mentor in your in your upline. Why would you ever need to pay some self proclaimed guru who's more more focused on selling training and filling seminars forty thousand dollars to spend ninety days with you on the phone once a week? I mean, really, really. So it's not on the profession. Most many network marketing companies you can get involved with for less not for a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, I mean five hundred dollars or less. You can get involved with most network marketing companies and build an empire. I spent three hundred dollars I didn't have in nineteen eighty to join Shackley. I've never come out of pocket another dime. I've reinvested a lot of my profits. My first three years I reinvested every nickel that I made back into my business, but but it's paid me millions and millions of dollars in income. So again, it's all about perspective. You know, if 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 a guru, if a guru, you know, raked you over the coals and shamed you into joining their coaching program or whatever, yes, they hold some responsibility, but basically that's on you. You know, it has nothing to do with the profession. Most network marketing companies, the the benefit 
And the fault is it's very cheap to get involved. Anybody can get involved, which which creates the phenomenal opportunity that it is. But anybody can get involved, and many people shouldn't be involved. And some people spend their hundred dollars for their for their product order and their distributor kit, acting like it's a lottery ticket of some kind. So today, uh, we have seen a shift, in my opinion, in all business models. From scammers to what I really call predatory scammers. And unfortunately, they're prominent in every niche. And unfortunately, they're involved in network marketing as well. It's my belief that the anti-entrepreneur movement started prior to the anti-MLM movement. But unfortunately, the anti-MLM movement has gained steam. And I believe it's more prevalent than the anti-entrepreneur crowd. I really do. I think there's more people that are anti-MLM than they are anti-entrepreneur. Why? Scammers. And, you know, the definition of a scammer is a person who commits fraud or participates in a dishonest scheme. And there's many pyramid schemes, not many, but there's a lot of pyramid schemes in the marketplace, Cash FX, and I could go on and on and on, that are calling themselves network marketing companies. They aren't network marketing companies. They're pyramid schemes. They're money games. So there are scammers out there for sure. And then predatory, you know, that's, you know, is, is Ty Lopez, we talked about him earlier, so we'll just keep talking about Ty Lopez. Is Ty Lopez a scammer? I, I honestly don't think the guy is. I mean, his first program that he brings people into is promoting that you read books, Wisdom of the Ages, principles from knowledgeable people that have actually made things happen in their life. You know, I don't, I think Ty Lopez, you know, he talks about his Amish mentor and again, personal development. And, and I think, I, I just think he's, he's kind of an odd, odd guy that maybe is easy to make fun of. I, I don't, you know, some people think. And, you know, they don't like the here in my garage. Well, you know, it worked. What can you say? I don't think the guy's a scammer. Again, I haven't invested in any of these programs, but I don't think he's a scammer. And, and I would pretty much say for sure he's not a predatory scammer. And there's a difference between being a scammer and being a predatory scammer. Predatory the definition is inclined or intended to injure or exploit others for personal gain or profit. Kevin David, for sure. William J. McCorkle, for sure. And many others. And many others. Maybe they started out that way, maybe they didn't, but that's where they ended up. And that's the scary part. Did you hear what I just said? 
Maybe they started out that way. Maybe they didn't, but that's where they ended up. So when you really listen to these anti-MLMers or anti-entrepreneur people, their problem is not really with the business model. It's not. It's with how they were treated or how they felt that they had to treat, how they felt they had to treat others in order to have financial success. Obviously, I need to say that again, but let me get a drink of water. When you really listen to these anti-MLMers, their problem is not really with the business model of network marketing, other than the fact that they think it's all the same. But if you really listen to it, their problem is with how they were treated or how they felt they had to treat others in order to have financial success. So how they were treated was really the issue. It's like their upline was calling them at the end of every month. Are you going to get your product order in? Are you going to get your product order in? You know, I'm trying to, to reach my car bonus this month. Are you going to do your extra 200 this month? That kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. There is no time or place for you as a leader to call and ask somebody if they're going to place their order for their BB this month. If, if you are doing your part and they're engaged and they're growing and they're becoming better and they're expanding their mindsets and they're getting what you should be providing as a leader as far as the systems in order to move their life and their business forward, then you should never feel the need to call and see if they're going to get their order in this month. I cannot communicate that strongly enough because if that's something that you do, you're doing it wrong and you need to refocus on what you're doing. I cannot stress that strongly enough. So again, most people don't have a problem with the business model other than the fact they think all, all uplines, all teams, all companies operate the same. And, and they have a problem with the way they were treated and they don't want to tr- have to treat other people the way they were treated. I am, I get that. I'm 100% in those people's corner. 100%. I'm not saying that you don't make people aware of new promotions that are coming out, new product specials, and so on and so forth. I am not saying that. But I'm saying that every single month you get on the phone and hammer people, are they going to place their BV order this month, is not the way to build effective duplicating teams of people. Let failures fail. Let them fail. The start is going to stop most people. To not understand that is naive. Now, again, so it goes back to how they were treated. I don't know how many of you have seen the Lulu Row special. I think it might be on Amazon or Netflix or something. Uh, when I was recovering from COVID, uh, I put it on my self-education time to watch that whole series. I think it's like three hours, four hours, and it tells the whole Lulu Lulu Row story. And it's a really, really good example. 
of, of what happened. And I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe that the owners, I think it's a brother and sister, were just naive. I think they got in way over their head. They, they found something that exploded on them. Um, and I think they, they carried everything way too far, you know, wanting people, wanting their leaders to look great. And, you know, they need to wear, they need to always be carrying a, 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 a designer bag and they need to go have liposuction done in Mexico and just a lot of stupid things about, how they look and how, you know, always have your makeup done perfectly and so on and so forth. And, and then they ended up, you know, selling a bunch of packs of products, you know, five, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars in clothes that to help people reach rank. And I, I never think it's a good idea loading up on products to help an upline create rank. I just, I'm 100% against that always. Build it organically. Build it by teaching people the skill sets, mindsets, activities that will help them recruit their three to five people every single month, move forward and build something they can be proud of. But that Lulu Row, uh, it, it's worth seeing, uh, I, you know, during your personal education time just to get a perception on really what happened there. Again, I think the owners got in over their head. I think they were fundamentally good people. But again, I've seen this happen too many times over the years where, you know, people that, you know, start making money and then it's like, it's never enough. And it, it's, it's, it's discouraging. It's disheartening to see this happen to people that basically probably live most of their life as good, honest, hardworking people. And then, you know, they get a tiger by the tail and they don't know how to tame the tiger. And uh, again, I have personal firsthand experience with this with different, uh, with a partner that I've worked with in the past. So I understand how all this happens. But again, I will say, you know, at any time, if you are pressuring people to do more volume or buy more products so you can reach a rank, or car bonus, or any other contest or award that might be going on, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Truth, the truth, is the foundational principles on which all network marketing teams are built. To the found, I think I talked about this maybe last week or the week before his podcast, but it's Zig. You can have anything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. He did not say... You can reach your next rank promotion if you can talk people into spending twice of what they normally spend for their BV this month. That's not what this is about. You got to look long term. If you do it right and you do it right consistently over a period of time, then as Jim Rohn said, I believe and I believe this, that your long term income is in direct proportion to the value that you provide to the market that you serve. And as leaders, you must lead by example. Your people are not working for you. You're working for them. But you also have to help them stand on their own two feet. If you're if you're placing your orders every month for all your people and you're doing everything for them and you're getting in their back office and you're not teaching them how to do it themselves, you just created a job that you're never going to be able to come out from under. I mean, that's ridiculous as well. You know, there is a reason there's a customer support 
uh, people, staff in your company. You're not to be the customer support. You're there to help people build their teams, build their customer bases, and grow their organizations. Your long-term income is in direct proportion to the value you provide to the market that you serve. And if you can get that wisdom of the ages principle in stone from your head to your heart, and as long as Zig's philosophy of helping enough other people get they what they want uh, i mean you're going to be you're going to be way way down the road in this profession again if you're contacting people at the end of every pay period uh then you're approaching predatory practices predatory business practices i'm not saying you're there but I'm saying you're approaching it, and I just don't believe in that in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, I've been on this bandwagon for years, guys, since 1999. We came out with the first Network Marketing is a Scam audio pro- program. And if you haven't gone through that, I mean, that's something else to add to your personal education list. Uh, you know, we released, re-released it, added a lot of content a few years ago. It's it's free. It's at MLM Scam Dash Two, the numeral two dot com, because it's information that people need to understand if they're career minded in this profession. So just let me say it one more time: if at any time you are pressuring or encouraging people to do more volume, to buy more products, so you can personally reach a rank, a car bonus, or any other contest or award. If it's not about them, it's about you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And you have to understand, when you enroll people, it's your responsibility to have the systems in place to help them launch. It's not your responsibility to make sure they do it. All you can do is say, here's what we do. Here's how we do it. And it's up to them to take the action you can't you you can't take the action for them. You can't pressure them into taking the action. People do things for their reasons, not ours. Anything that people do is a bonus. If they talk to their mama and their mama buys a product, it's a bonus. Anything that anybody does is a bonus. The only person's actions you can control are the person staring you back in the mirror. But you must have the systems in place to give them a chance to win. And we've talked about this in multiple podcasts. And, you know, I say this because over the years I've seen some good people, good-hearted, value-focused people that over time start to prey on weak people. You know, they get desperate. They're, They're after that fast start bonus or whatever. And usually it's because they went full time too soon. But they start telling people whatever they need to tell them just so they can roll them and collect the special prize this month or the fast start bonus. And as all of you have listened to this podcast anytime at all, you know I don't believe in closing. And I know several years ago all the gurus were doing their weekend seminars going to teach you 133 different ways to close prospects. I've never believed in closing a prospect. I just don't believe in it. I believe in asking a closing question, which is, what questions do I need to answer for you before we get you started? But I don't believe in just sitting there closing people. I've done that in the past, years and years ago in Shackley, and I realize it, it has nothing to do with nothing. It's not about getting them in. 
It's about getting them in, keeping them in, and helping them move forward. That's how you win this game. It's not by slam dunking, closing people. It's just not. It's, it should not be part of any training as far as I'm concerned. It's just it's a waste of time, energy, and effort because that's not what this is about. We're all looking for the right people at the right time in their life. And closing in is is good if you're in the insurance business, maybe even in some cases the real estate business. But for me, it's like I always want to go into the marketplace knowing that I have the best thing out there. And if I have the best thing out there, I shouldn't have to close anybody that is educated enough to see what I see. And and that might sound conceited. It, may, it probably does, but that's just the way I believed it. Uh, and I always have. It's like, if it's not the best, then why are you marketing it, Dale? What is, you know, make a pivot. I mean, that's just where I live. You know, I don't want to go up against competitors that I know have a better product or service or opportunity than I I do. I just don't want to do that. I have no desire to do that. I don't want to learn how to close people into a network marketing program. I could do it, but I don't want to, and I'm not going to. I'm looking, I want to work with people that are smart enough and understand and see what I see. I just do. It's it's a lot more fun that way. And I I don't mind going through a lot of people because I would rather have two or three people a year that want it as bad as I do than a hundred that are just there because they like the tailgate parties that we have in the parking lot. I'm not looking for people that like the tailgate parties. I'm looking for people that want to get on the field, get knocked down, get up, and keep playing the game. That's who I'm looking for, as I've talked about multiple times also on this podcast. But anyway, uh, yesterday I had an interesting call, and this will kind of just drive this point home, just as a word of warning for some. Because if you think you possibly may be approaching predatory business practices, please listen up. Your reputation is everything in this profession. And... It, it's everything. And once you lose trust, the game is over. You're cooked in any business model. And say, and I, and I, and I, and I know somebody's going to send me an email now. Well, Dale, how in the world does this guru have people, so many people trusting him or her? How's that possible? You know, and I know what they've been doing for the last five years. It, it, what goes around comes around. Okay, it just does. And it's not for us to decide. But anyway, I had an interesting call yesterday. Guy that I worked with a long time ago. I love this guy. Uh, I, I just, him and his wife just saw their people, great people. And uh, as some of you know, you know, the last couple of months, We've been devoting some of our time each week, a very limited amount, but some of our time each week working with uh, a company called iHub Global, and we're building out uh, what's called the People's Network. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I mean, honestly, honestly, you should go at least check it out. 
and you either see it like, boom, I get it, I understand, this makes sense, or it won't. Uh, what is the URL? I'll put it in the show notes. It's www.dalecalvert.com forward slash I and then H-U-B-G-L-O-B-A-L, iHubGlobal. dalecalvert.com forward slash iHubGlobal. And this is really, I, I consider it a short-term project uh, that has obnoxious long-term upside income potential. Uh, that's the way I, I, I see this. It's a short-term project that has obnoxious upside long-term income potential. There are currently about a million of these hot spots that are reserved around the world, all over the world. And when there's three million deployed within the United States, the network will be done. It'll be built. The project will be over. And those of us that have helped build the network will draw residual uh, residual money on it for, for years and years into the future. And it's just, it's really simple. It's a no-brainer. I mean, I have all my family involved, and we put together a promotion we call the Perfect Promotion System. I think I talked about this maybe a couple podcasts ago. I don't really remember. But it's working like nothing I have ever seen ever in 40 years in, in this profession. I mean, literally, and I can say this with a straight face, 100% of our team members that are using it are getting positive results. They're enrolling new customers and team members weekly. I mean, this weekend, I, I do my, I do my promotions on Friday. I do one hour that, you know, that's all I'm spending. And yesterday, which was Sunday, I had enrolled seven people for the weekend with one hour promotion. Now, uh, and again, I have people on my team that are doing much better than I am with this. It's 100% success rate. So that's why I say you just owe it to yourself. DaleCalvert.com forward slash iHub. Anyway, so... Uh, what was I? Oh, I was talking about I have all my family involved and and so on. And uh, there's another person that I was involved with about 20, 25 years ago, as was the guy I was talking to on the phone. And it, honestly, he, it was a pleasure working with him. But it was also a challenge. Uh, he was part of our leadership team. Uh, either him or this other guy, which well, you've heard me talk about the plumber. One of these two guys were the most disliked, respected, but disliked people on our leadership team. They just had problems, you know, getting along with other people. But, you know, this guy and myself, I mean, we had a pretty good relationship uh, I, I treat him like I treat everybody, very value-focused, uh, and realize, you know, there was probably some issues when he was younger. I mean, I, I don't know, and I don't want to get into all that at this point. The only point I want to make is 
you know, over the past couple months, um, I've had multiple people ask me if he, if he was involved with the corporate team or our personal team in any capacity. I've had multiple people ask me because he is involved on another team in another line somewhere. Okay. I don't take his phone calls, haven't for two or three years. Uh, and then, but people have asked me, and then as recently as this morning or yesterday, Saturday morning, the guy that I was talking to, he told me, he said, look, if he was on your team, it was going to be a deal breaker for me. And I thought, really? Because this guy probably is one of the most intelligent people I know. He, he saw the opportunities very quickly. He's looking for the red flags. He has the background and education to be able to see the red flags very quickly. The experience, uh, because he understands what building out a network like this is really about. Again, major experience. And, but my point is that guy being involved would have been a deal breaker. And, and really over the last 20 years, uh, I hate to say this, but the guy is really at one. I mean, I think he's, he, at one time he was a very value focused person. He just didn't communicate it very well. I mean, that would have been my description of him, you know, a, a, a different kind of ego, definitely different kind of ego, probably that comes from his intelligence. And I'm not talking about the guy I was talking to on the phone. I'm talking about the guy that he asked me, is he involved with this team? Uh, and I like the guy. Uh, but over the years, there's no question from everything I've heard, he's developed a very predatory business practices. Even prior to... uh you know, us rolling out this new event, this new team, you know, almost two months ago now, you know, I've had multiple people over the past 20 years share with me that he owed them money or someone that they know money and multiple stories of how he basically lied, stole and cheated people in various business ventures he's been involved with. And it's really sad to me that this person that I work with very closely and consider a really good friend at one time, you know, years ago, uh, and, and had a very close relationship for about five years, has kind of let himself slip into this state of which can only be called predatory business practices. Because I really thought that that would probably never happen with him. Uh, and again, I probably saw him better than most people did, but I really had faith and belief in this guy and it's sad. And, you know, as, as a rule, the world we live in is at first I don't succeed, fix the blame quick. And people have real problem taking responsibility, making mistakes, learning from them. And make sure they don't make the same mistakes again, because if you continue to make the same mistake over and over and over, it's it's not the circumstances; it's the person in the mirror. Uh, you know, as I was 
preparing some notes for this last night. It's like um, I was looking through some Facebook messages, and I saw this guy that said, uh, if your bio says network marketing, it's an automatic decline. If your if your bio it actually said if your bio has anything to do with network marketing or cryptocurrency, it's an automatic decline. And I'm thinking it would be a real interesting conversation to to talk to this guy to wonder how he got to that mentality. What's happened? Is is he a perceived victim or a real victim? And you know, did he look behind the curtain when he chose his mentor? Or did he just you know get caught up in it? You know, what, what's this guy's story? I mean, I'm fascinated by that stuff. So, unfortunately, today we live in a world we have pity for victims. We have pity for people that are victims. And, again, as I mentioned earlier, we have a an environment where antisocial people and and deranged people and all types of people can hang out with each other no matter what off-the-wall niche or music or tattooing that they're into, whatever they're into, they can find it. And I saw this trend coming about 20 years ago in an entrepreneurial uh, bleeding heart, in the entrepreneurial bleeding heart political world that we were shifting into. And I actually did a keynote on this called Forever a Victim, I Don't Think So. And I'll see if I can find it. And if I can, I'll put the link to that training, that keynote that I did about 20 years ago uh, in the podcast notes. And again, it's called Forever a Victim, I Don't Think So. But as leaders in this profession, we must treat people the way we want to be treated. That's the bottom line. Understand these people. In the network marketing niche, uh, can become very vocal because they cannot take responsibility for their own bad decisions and they've got to blame somebody. But there are also those who have been victimized by corporate leaders. And I think many times these corporate leaders started out as good people that just simply got in over their head. I've seen that play out many times. I mean, at LuLaRoe, you don't send, you don't put your clothes out in the parking lot in big bins and let them get wet and stinky and mail them to customers. That cannot happen under any circumstances. There's just certain things that no matter how behind you get or stressed out you get, you cannot under any circumstances for any reason let certain things happen. And that's what happened in that company. Uh, so the Peter Principle is alive and well within network marketing organizations and within network marketing corporate leadership teams. And the Peter Principle, if you don't know what that is, is basically that people are promoted to their highest level of incompetence. Once they get to a point of incompetence, they're not promoted beyond that. And corporate America is full of people like that. People are promoted to their highest level of incompetence. So obviously we do see that in in the network marketing structures, corporate structures as well. That's why you have to have leaders that can recognize when that has happened and to either get rid of the person or put them in a situation 
where they can grow, learn, and thrive or get them more education in the, for the position in which they're in. You can't expect people to do that which they're not capable of doing. And as a profession, I've been trying to communicate for years that we have to treat people right. Uh, when someone is part of your team, again, I've said this multiple times already, but you're you're working for them. They're not working for you. And that is the mist- mentality uh, that the Jim Rohns of the world and Les Browns and, and others, uh, Dexter Yeagers, intended this profession to be founded upon. That's what they understood. That's what they knew. That was the wisdom that they propagated throughout this profession until the Internet could come in and just propagate a lot of things that sound real good but will never work. You know, and, and, and all the self-proclaimed gurus could come in and tell you what you want to hear so they can sell you what they want to sell you. It's your responsibility to, as a leader to have the sequential systems and methods in place to give those that join your team and are willing to work an opportunity to win. A proven, realistic, workable way to add three to five new team members, customers monthly to their organization. It's your responsibility. Leaders who don't have these type of systems in place will find, will find their teams hooking up with self-proclaimed guru leaders who I can promise you the majority do not have their best interest at heart. And, 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 and leadership that does not understand that it's their responsibility to have the systems in place that can help people plug in and produce predictable results, three to five new people a month. If that's not in place, then what happens is you start panicking and you start trying to find anybody a fresh face, any fresh face to put in front of your team, anybody that can come in and motivate them or help them or support them. And again, it's not that you're bad people or bad leaders. It, it's just that you, you, you never had the leadership development paradigm shift and it's obvious. And what's really sad is when you see people start slipping into these predatory MLM practices. That's what's really sad. The anti-ML movement is because it's here now because obviously, you know, the government, the FTC is involved. Uh, it's been gaining steam. I've been watching it for about a year and a half because we as a profession have not focused on taking care of the goose that's laying the golden eggs, as I talked about in the 1999 scam training. And because we didn't, today we have to take care of and deal with those unintended consequences that were created by trying to shortcut wisdom of the ages principles. And the best way to do that is just simply tell people the truth and understanding that your job is to help those on your team that are willing to work to get what they came into the profession for. Maybe not as quick as they hoped, but to get there, to put them on a path that will ultimately lead to success. Your uh, questions, comments, feedback is really important to me. I mean, I depend upon it. And if you're listening to this session on YouTube 
or anywhere else, please leave your comment on this session. I, I, I really appreciate it and I need it. And, but not just for me, guys, but for everyone you know who's trying to do it right. Don't be afraid to call out or question those that aren't doing it right. Don't be afraid to call out and ask questions. Uh, you know, and, and when you find people that are doing it right and, and, and mean it and are, are, are focused on telling people the truth in any niche, in any business, always, you know, leave a comment, leave some feedback, give them a thumbs up or whatever you can, because we all need to help each other. And this is in every business niche to support people that are really trying to get it done and do it right. You know, what's that saying about evil? overtakes everything when good people say nothing. So support those who deserve to be supported and call out and question those who don't. We don't have to take responsibility uh, for, for the actions of other people. We can't. Only our own actions. But we all have to take care of the goose that's still laying golden eggs. Maybe not at the at the level they used to lay the golden eggs, but the goose is still laying the golden eggs. And again, maybe not as often as she used to. And yes, our industry is full of fake geese, as the entire entrepreneurial world is full of fake geese. But when you recognize truth and wisdom of the ages, always support it with your positive comments and feedback. I hope this has given you some things to think about. Uh, uh, any borderline predatory practices you've been implementing, eliminate them today. Eliminate them today and support those who tell the truth and are, have the guts to tell people what they need to hear, not necessarily always what they want to hear. Don't fall into this predatory MLM practices and be aware of it and call it out when you see it. Uh, this was session, I'm not sure what session this was, but this was the MLM Success Podcast. My name is Dale Calvert. I appreciate you being here. Your time is the most valuable asset that you have. I'll never take it for granted. And I hope you'll join us again next week on another session of the MLM Success podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.